Amen, Pam. Thank you, and I want to thank this church for putting up with me for 20 years. Uh, Miss Opal, you've been here since, what, 1942? <laughs> yeah, she's been a member here for since 1942, and of course she was here when I came, and I don't know if anybody else was, you know. Uh, but so this is all new group from 20 years ago. But anyway, I appreciate y'all putting me up, putting up with me, you know, for some 20 years. It'll be 20 years on the 29th. You know, some people have asked, so you've been here 20? I said, well, it depends on how you calculate leap year. Because the church called me on February the 29th. And that only comes around, what, every three years or four? Four. So I may have only been here about six years or something. I don't know. However, however that ciphers out, I have to get Jeffro Bodine to cipher that out for me. But anyway, if you have your Bibles this morning, appreciate that song, Pam. And if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to James chapter 3. We're on a series that we've entitled, The Price of Maturing as a Christian. This is our fifth lesson on this subject, because many think just because they're saved, they are mature in Christ. Some think as long as you've been a member of the church, you know, for five years, 10 years, 15 years or whatever, that you're a mature child of God. That is not the case. It costs to become mature in your Christian walk with Christ. And so far we've looked at, you know, four of the things that, that it cost us if we are going to mature in Christ. The first one we looked at was enduring sufferings. Even though you're a child of God, you will go through sufferings in this life. And the more sufferings we go through and we endure those sufferings, the more mature we become. We also looked at how scripture study, if you are going to mature in Christ, you better be reading your Bible, studying your Bible, or you never reach maturity within Christ. Then we talked about sincerity. Be sincere in your faith if you want to mature in Christ. And last week we looked at service. You know, we have to begin exercising our spiritual gifts, working in the church, serving within the church, serving others if we're ever going to mature in Christ. Today we want to look at the fifth thing, and that is sound speech makes for a mature Christian. Now before we get started today, let me, let me, let me just say this. If I had a package for you, okay, and, before, and, and I was going to give you this package, but before you open this package, I'm going to tell you exactly what's in it. I'm going to describe the contents of this past, uh, package, and then I will let you determine, after you know what's in that package, if you want to open that package or not. In other words, I'm going to tell you the, the contents, and then you make the decision, well, yes, I want to open this package, or no, I do not. Here's the contact, uh, content of, those patch, of that package. Excuse me. What is contained in this package, it has the power of life and death. What's in this package, it, it gets out of control very easily, and it causes things around us to get out of control also. It's linked to hell itself, what is contained in this package. It creates many problems. And what's in this package can't be tamed, nor can it be contained. It's evil by nature, and it can deliver death-dealing poison. It can seem peaceful for, and sweet for one moment, 
And the next moment, it can be bitter and harmful. That's what's in this package. Now, if I was to give you that package and I told you these things that were within it, would you still be willing to open that package? Think about that to yourself. Would you be willing to open that package? I think most of us would say, if all of that is in this package, there ain't no way I'm going to open this package. And yet, every one of those descriptions that I just gave you that is contained within this passage, or package, James uses it to teach us about the powerful and deadly nature of something we all right here this morning possess. What I just described in this package, each and every one of us possess, and that is the tongue. The tongue. The tongue contains life or death. The tongue can get out of control easily. The tongue is linked to hell itself. The, the tongue cannot be tamed or contained. It's evil by nature. It can deal death-dealing poison. The tongue can be sweet one moment and bitter the next. You better believe it. And let's see what James has to say about that this morning. Now consider a second question before we get started. And, 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 and honestly, think about this. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Okay? But can you go... 24 hours, that's just one day, without saying an unkind word to someone or about someone. Think about that for a moment. Can you go 24 hours without saying an unkind word to someone or about someone? Now, I'm sure there's a variety of responses there, but let me just say this. If you can't answer that question, yes, I can go 24 hours without saying something bad about a person or to a person. If you can't say yes, then you've got a problem. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, what do you mean? I've got a problem if I can't go 24 hours without saying something bad about someone that really needs something bad about said about them. Think about this. If... A person can't go 24 hours without a cigarette. Would we not say they're addicted to nicotine? Yes or no? Okay, if a person can't go 24 hours without a drink of alcohol, would we not say that that person is addicted to alcohol and probably an alcoholic? Yes, I believe that's a fair statement too. So if one can't go 24 hours without speaking an unkind word to or about someone, then that person is not in control of their tongue and that person has a problem. We can make all kind of excuses, but we have a problem. Now, the next characteristic that James speaks about here is how sound speech makes for a mature Christian. Here in the third chapter, James directs his instruction to a certain group of people, and we, we get insight of that group of people who he's talking to and about there, you know, in the first verse. And what we see here in this first verse is the context of the entire chapter 3. Now, some people call the theme of chapter 3, you know, uh, the tongue. In other words, they say, well, chapter 3 is all about the tongue. However, as you're going to see this 
morning, James is addressing teachers and he's instructing teachers on the use of their tongue. Now the next question would be, is James referring only to those who hold an official office within the church? Or is he talking to anyone who has uh, others looking up to them to be taught by them? Look, let's examine what James is saying here about teachers and the use of their tongue. This instruction is to Christians. James is instructing those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. He's not talking about the heathen. He's talking to us who are Christians who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Look at verse 1. My brethren. Now, doesn't that mean us Christians? My brethren, be not many masters knowing look here knowing that we shall be judged with greater condemnation fellow christians he's saying those of us who are masters that simply means teachers or instructors of others he says you better watch what you're teaching those underneath you because you as a teacher are going to be judged with a greater condemnation. He begins by saying, my brother. So without a doubt here, he's addressing those of us who know Jesus Christ as our, birth, our, our Savior. And when we're sincere in our maturing of the faith as Christians, James says there's some, us, there's some things you better understand. First of all, those responsible for teaching others, he says, are going to be judged greater than others. Now, let's think about that. Look at verse uh, 1b. Knowing that we, we who are responsible for teaching others, we who have others looking up to us to learn how to act in life, we who have others looking up to us who are going to follow our example. He says, you will be judged with a greater condemnation because of what you're teaching those who are looking up to you. So when James uses the word master here, he's using the Greek word that means teachers or, look here, those who instruct. Those who instruct. Therefore, James is saying anyone who has the responsibility to teach others or instruct others, you will be held accountable to God, you know, because you have a great responsibility. Now, because James is writing to the church, some feel they look at this and they say, well, he's making reference to those who hold an official position within the church that teaches others. He's talking about Sunday school teachers. He's talking about the pastor. He's talking about those who hold an official position within the church. But I believe it goes farther than that. I believe it goes beyond that. I believe it goes to anyone who has others looking up to them as the instructor in their life. That includes you, mom and dad. That includes you, grandma and grandpa. That includes you, little brother, or a big brother, or big sister, who has little brother or little sister looking up to you. Anyone is a teacher, anyone is a master, anyone is an instructor, if there are those looking up to you. And James says, you better watch how you live your life. You better watch how you talk. You better watch what you do. Because if you lead those looking up to you in the wrong direction, you will be judged greater by God. Anyone who has another looking up to them will answer to God for what they have taught those 
looking to them. I believe one reason the judgment is greater is because of the things that we teach them. Me as a father, me as a grandfather, okay? The things that I teach my children are either going to draw them closer to God or it will drive them farther from God. Don't miss that. Dads, moms, grandmas, grandpas, you're not, we're not ex- excluded here. Whatever you are teaching your children today, it's either going to draw them closer to God because of the example you're setting, or it's going to drive them farther from God because of the example you're setting. And James says, you better watch the example you're setting because God is going to judge you greater for that example that you're setting. That, look what he says in 1B there, that we're going to receive this greater condemnation. Look, though the primary teaching tool is the tongue, don't miss this, our actions often speak louder than words. Think about that. Though you tell your kids something, your, your tongue is the primary teaching tool, though you tell your child something, though you tell your grandchild something, though you tell the one who is looking up to you something with your tongue, listen, what they see you do carries more weight than what you see, hear them say, they hear you say. Never forget that. Not calling anybody's kids monkey, but monkey see, monkey do. You've always heard that say. Look, here in this chapter, James is addressing the tongue and the misuse of it. However, we must not forget that what others see us do, as I just said, speaks louder you know, than, than the things we actually say to them. Now, some aren't going to like this, but you've got to love me regardless. But listen to what I have to say here. Can a parent tell their children to never smoke while they themselves are sucking on a cigarette? Can a parent tell their teachers, of the, I mean, those under them, you know, uh, the dangers of alcohol if they themselves are sucking on a long neck? Can, can, can a parent or those who are under a mother or father or whatever tell their sons, the, you know, the, 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 the dangers of, uh, of sex before marriage if they themselves are sleeping around or living with someone outside of marriage? How can a parent correct their child for cussing if every other word out of their mouth is a cuss word? Boy, everything's quiet. Listen, this is going to even be worse than some of the things I've done said. And some will disagree with me on this. But listen to this. What right do you have to punish your child for following the example that you're setting before them? Just a thought. What right do you have to punish your child for saying a bad word when they've heard it in your home? Through your mouth, time and time again. What right do you have to tell your child you cannot drink alcohol? Again, when you're sitting there sucking on a long neck. Look, we do not have a right. Again, this is going to be a tough statement. To punish our children for doing what they see us do. Because you are setting the example for them. I am setting the example for them. And that's why James says you're going to be judged with a greater condemnation. 
Because you're leading them away from God rather than leading them to God. I, I, I put this up there too. Okay? What your child sees you do carries more weight than what they hear you say. Well, that's one of them things you need to hang on your icebox so you look at it every morning. What my kid is going to see me do today carries more weight than what I tell them to do. See, I believe that the tongue has brought sin upon many, many people. Look at verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. And able also to brattle his whole body. Look, James lets us know here that everyone makes mistakes. Okay? We all make mistakes and we all say things that we shouldn't say. I can't tell you how many times I've opened my mouth and something come out and I'm right reaching for it and I can't catch it. Maybe you're better than I am. But once it leaves my lips, I can't catch it. I, I can swat in the air trying to grab it, you know, all day long and, and, and I can't grab it. So we, what James is saying here, we all make mistakes. If we never said anything wrong here, we would not only be perfect, but we would be able to control our whole body, he's saying here. He said, if you can control that tongue, you can control your entire body. Look, though the tongue is one of the smallest members of the body, it's one of the most difficult things to gain control of, for some more than others. For some more than others. Look, I'm convinced that if most people would get control of their tongues, they could cut out on 80% of the sins within their life, and most problems that they face in life would go away. Stop and think about it. Have you ever said something that caused problems in your life that you never thought could happen? Have you ever said something in life that has destroyed a family relationship, a friendship, or whatever? I think we probably could all say yes. And that's what James is saying. He's saying here that you could cut out a lot of problems within your life if you'd only learn to control that little flappy piece of meat in your mouth. Now let's look at the truths about tongues here, about the tongue. Verse 3. He says, uh, he just got through saying, you know, if, we're, if we can control that tongue, you know, then we can bridle the whole body. Now he says, he's going to give you an example. He says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths so that they will obey us. And we turn the whole body. You can take a 15, 1800 pound horse and control it just because of that bit that's in his mouth. He says, behold, also the ships, which they, though they be great, are driven by fierce winds. Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, wheresoever the governor Listed. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a manner a, a, a little fire kindleth and the tongue is a fire. Ooh. The tongue is a world of iniquity, a world of sin. 
So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set uh, on uh, fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue no man can tame. Now, look what he says about the tongue. Remember the little package I told you about earlier? He said, guys, you need to understand the tongue is an unruly evil. He said the tongue is full of deadly poison. Boy, it can destroy. You see, he's saying here that we can control a horse with a bit. We can control a ship with a rudder. Yet the tongue is like a little match that can set the entire forest on fire. Do you not realize these forest fires you see on TV that happen in California and these other states? Do you not realize that they started by just a little bitty match in many instances? Or a little bitty spark in many instances? And look at the damage it does with millions of acres. What James is saying in that same way, that little piece of meat that you flap around there in your mouth, he says it's just like that match that can destroy many millions of acres. If you do not gain control of it, it's going to destroy a lot of relationships within your life. Wow. 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 You know, when I was little and someone said words to me that hurt me, and probably some of you have done the same thing, mamas, okay, grandmas. But when I would come home crying because someone had hurt my feelings by something they said to me or about me, my mama would grab me and she would hold me and she would say, honey. My mama always called me honey. She said, honey, sticks and stones can break your bones but honey words can never hurt you Hmm. my mama was trying to comfort me and I have said the same thing to my children and some of you have probably said the same thing to your children but can I tell you something it's not true it may make the kid feel better there for a moment but it is not true Words that are spoken, bad words that are spoken to you, evil things that are spoken to you, somebody that has hurt your feelings. Can I tell you something? Those mental scars are there. You remember that hurt sometimes throughout your lifetime. You know, when I, when I was, uh, I guess, about 11 years old, I broke my left arm. We lived on a, uh, on a horse ranch, 995 acres, and, you know, we had a lot of horses to feed, and, you know, we'd buy feed in 100-pound tow sacks, and I, we had a long feed trough about that wide, and I would just grab a tow sack and just, you know, pull it out and just put the feed in there. Well, some horses got to fighting over the feed one time and knocked me out of the trough, and when it did, I landed on my arm, and it broke. Man, my arm was like that. I said, what the heck? You know, kind of pulled on it, you know. But you know what? I don't remember the pain of that arm. I don't remember the pain of that broken bone. But you know, I can still remember some things that people have said about me. So the old saying, sticks and stones can break your bones, 
They can, but words will never hurt you. It's not true. That's not true. If you do not gain control of that tongue, let me tell you something. You can hurt people that will be with them forever. Again, I, I don't remember the pain of my broken bones, but I can still remember things that people have said to me years and years ago. Look, we must be mindful of the fact that our words are weapons and, and they have the power to destroy. And the thing about these words is, once they leave our lips, folks, we have no do-overs, we have no mulligans. Once it is said, it is said, and it destroys. Look, as a fire, there are three things we know about the uncontrolled tongue. First of all, we know in 6a there that it's a, it's a world of evil. And the tongue is a fire, a, word of, uh, a, a world of iniquity, of evil. We know in 6b it spreads through the entire body. What's he say? So even the tongue among our members, it defiles the whole body, James says. We know also it influences all of life. That's why he says in verse C, it setteth on fire the course of nature. Look, just like with most everything else in life, what God created, creates for the good, Satan always comes in and he tries to corrupt what God meant for good for bad. That's what Satan does with everything in life. And the tongue is no different. Listen, God desires us to use our tongue for worship to him. That's what he desires us to use our tongue for. To worship him, to praise him, to exalt him. However, Satan wants us to use our tongue to destroy. He wants us to use our tongue to destroy families. He wants us to destroy, uh, use our tongue to destroy friendships. He wants us to use our tongue to destroy churches. And you know what? Sometimes he's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. But the reason he can be successful at it is because we're not willing to gain control of it. We're not willing to gain control of it. And the more, here's the thing, the more we use it to destroy, the keener and sharper it becomes. Think about this just for a moment. I got something up there I'm going to come back to. A sharp tongue is the only edge tool that grows sharper with constant use. For those who have a pocket knife, if you use that pocket knife, you, you're constantly having to sharpen it, aren't you? I mean, you, you can't use that pocket knife and it sharpen itself. You have to sharpen it. If you've got a kitchen knife, okay, most of us got a steel in our drawer there and we have to just run it over. Why? Because when you use that knife, it dulls it, okay? But James is saying here that the tongue is the only edge tool that grows sharper the more it's used. That simply means, boy, every time you use it, it gets sharper and sharper and sharper and sharper. The more you use it, the sharper it becomes. Third thing here, every kind of wild animal, he says, can be tamed. The tongue is the most difficult thing to gain control of. Look here at verse 7 and 8. Every kind of beast and of the birds and of the serpents, uh, serpents, uh, serpents, I'm sorry, and uh, of all things in the sea is tamed. And it's been tamed by mankind. 
Mankind is able to, uh, to, to tame I mean, you can, uh, mankind can tame a lion, can they not? Mankind can tame a tiger, can it not? And James says everything can be tamed by man except. Except what? That little piece of meat between your front, uh, top teeth and bottom teeth. That sucker just flaps all the time, doesn't it? You can tame everything. But he says man has a problem with that. Look at verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Look, as we begin to mature as a Christian, we become aware. Here's the thing. We become aware of the destruction that the tongue can cause and the poison that it contains. And as we begin to mature in Christ, we're able to direct our tongue to worship to God than destroying relationships. As we begin to mature in Christ. But if we do not begin to mature in Christ, we continually use that tongue for destruction rather than what God gave it to us for. And that's worship, praise, and exaltation to him. Let's look at some inconsistencies of the tongue here in verses 9 through 12. Therewith we bless God. Therewith is making reference to the tongue. Therewith we bless God, even the Father. And therewith, we curse men. Whoa, wait a minute. So this tongue, this little flappy piece of meat, y'all, y'all going to remember that if you don't remember nothing else, aren't you? A little flappy piece. Every time you open your mouth, that sucker's going to flap around. Just don't let it flap around one of the chicken breasts out in the fellowship hall. That's for my tongue. Look at here. Everything, he says, we bless God with it, but we curse men with it which are made after the similitude of God. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things not ought to be. He's saying for most people, they bless God on Sunday with their tongue and they curse mankind Monday through Saturday with the same tongue. He says these things shouldn't be. Doeth not a fountain send forth the same places of sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine or figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. James is clear on this one point. It is impossible to use the same tongue to praise God and to slash others. James is saying that's impossible. You know, that's impossible. He's saying here it would be like getting, you know, fresh water and and bitter water from the same fountain. He said it can't happen. How many times have people cursed, slandered, and gossiped about a person on Saturday night and then come to church on Sunday morning attempting to use that same tongue to worship God? It can't happen. If you're slashing others throughout the week, Monday through Saturday, don't think you can come to the church on Sunday morning and worship God with that same tongue. James is saying it can't happen. It shouldn't happen. He's saying here, James is saying that, that the, in these verses, you know, you know, the same tongue that you use to slash a person verbally cannot then offer praise to God without that tongue first confessing to God of the sin. 
James says, how dare you? How dare you slash others? How dare you curse others? How dare you put down others? How dare you destroy others throughout the week and then come here on church on Sunday morning thinking you can use that same tongue that you've just sharpened all week long to hurt others and then you want to come up here and praise God? You want to come up here and praise or worship God? James says, no, 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 no. James says, no, it doesn't happen that way. James says this, the price of maturing. Let's look at the price of maturing. Verse 13 through 18. Who is a wise man? And who endureth with knowledge among you? So he's asking a question. Who is wise? Who is the one that understands what we've talked about, about this tongue? Let him show out of a good conversation. Now, that word conversation doesn't mean your speech. It means your lifestyle. His works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but earthly and sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above, now here's the other. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and it's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace of them that make peace. Now, there are at least three things we can see here that maturing as a Christian will cost us. First of all, we must live right and respond to others with wisdom. Not the wisdom of the earth that he described there first, but wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. When we learn to listen more than we speak, we usually are able to respond with wisdom rather than foolishness. Look, I have often regretted my speech many, many times, okay? But I've never regretted my silence. I've never regretted the times I wanted to say something and I had to grit my teeth so that tongue couldn't flop around. Have you ever noticed that tongue can't really flop around when your teeth are gritted? I've had to grit my teeth sometimes just to keep not for not saying something. But I've never regretted that. I have regretted the times I've went ahead and opened that mouth and let that tongue flap. And probably if you'd be honest, you have to. The next thing here, you know, the second price is we must not allow others to become bitter, envious, or self-centered. You know, most of the time when we speak out of bitterness or envy or selfishness, it only creates problems with our life. It creates more problems within our lives. Here's a thought. The words we speak create most of the problems we face in life. Don't miss that. The words we speak create most of the problems that we face in life. And the final price one must pay, one must remain pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to please, full of mercy, willing to help others, not partial and not hypocritical. 
You know, one, one does not have to judge whether another person is mature in their faith. All they need to do is compare their life with these passages right here. If you're wondering if you're mature in life, compare your lifestyle to these passages. And you won't have to judge yourself. Well, I wonder if I'm really mature. No, this will tell you right up front. Taming your tongue is something that can happen, but it sometimes requires a lot of work for some more than others. But there's something that will help. Let me end this with this. Before you speak, ask yourself three basic questions. First of all, if what I'm about to say, is it truth? Is what's fixing to come out of that little flappy piece of meat truth? That is fixing to throw out there? Is what I'm about to say about this person true? Or is it just my perspective? Tough question. Second thing is, even if it's true, does it really need to be said? Think about that. Even if it's true, do you really have to put it out there? Do you really have to say it? Most of the time, that you know, we speak out of bitterness and envy and self, and it only creates problems. So just because something is true does not mean it has to be said. And here's something that I'm still learning. A closed mouth gathers no feet. Anybody ever put a foot in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> we got some honest folks in here, okay? You know, I bet you're not like me, though. I bet you can't fit two feet in there. Oh, she can? Okay. Well, we got an honest husband. He's got to go home with her, too. But think about that. Think about that. A closed mouth. You can't put your foot in your mouth if you keep your mouth shut. Okay? And finally, do those words, or do these words, Here's the question you got to do these words edify the person? Do they build them up or are they just going to tear them down and destroy them? Look here, that's three questions we need to ask ourselves before we allow this tongue to get out of control. Is it true? Even if it's true, do I really need to say it? And if I say this, is it going to edify that person or is it going to build them up or tear them down? Paul said this in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Okay? But only, let only come out of your mouth things that is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So see, it wasn't just James. Paul says the same thing. If we are going to mature in Christ, we have to gain control of our tongue. Let me close with these thoughts. If you're an instructor of anyone, please know that you have a great responsibility and therefore you're going to be judged greater by God for what you're instilling within their lives for those whom you're teaching. And because our tongue is the primary teaching tool, it's important that we gain control of it. And if you have a problem in this area, you can do something about it. Don't just use that old, and I hate this when people tell me this, but that's just the way I am. Well, if that's the way you are, you're wrong. Okay? We can't use the excuse, you know, that's just who I am. 
Well, if who you are is violating the written word of God, you may need to take a look at yourself. You may need to go back to Calvary. Because my understanding of the scripture is once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we're a new creation. We're a new creation in Christ. We're not what we used to be. Are, are you with me? Amen or oh me? I mean, I'll shut up if it's a bunch of oh me's. Okay. So if you believe the word that you're a new creation in Christ once saved, you can't use that excuse, well, that's just what I am. That's who I am. That's the way God made me. It's important we gain control of the tongue. And again, if you have a problem in this area, you can do something about it. But first of all, you must recognize it is a problem. Okay, that's the most difficult thing for some, is to recognize this is a problem in my life. I am not able to control this tongue. And then, and then stop making excuses. Then seek God for the strength to gain control of it. And stop allowing Satan to use for bad what God gave you to praise him, to worship him, to exalt him with. Now, looky here. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you don't have the power within to overcome that tongue. That's why you're staying in trouble all the time. But once we accept him, the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. And once we accept him, once the Holy Spirit, you know, enters our life, then we're able, we have the power within to overcome this smallest member of our body. Now it's just a matter if I want to or not, or if I'm willing to or not. So if you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, we're going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment as we sing a song of invitation for you to come and let, let's get, us, get you with one of our counselors. They'll take you in that room right there and, and share the gospel with you and get you saved so that you can have the power to not overcome just the tongue, but any sin that is within your life, any sin that has you bound, you'll be able to overcome it. Child of God, if you're already saved, the message this morning from James was for us who know Jesus as our personal Savior. And if you have a problem in this area with the tongue, you're not a mature Christian. Not my, I'm not saying this, the Scripture's saying it. And you need to maybe bring, that, bring it down here and lay it at the altar this morning and ask God, Lord, you gave me the power to overcome this. Now give me the willingness to overcome it. Give me the willingness now to gain control of what Satan is using for bad that you meant for good. Let's pray.